Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What's Next. I am your host, Tiffany Bova, and I have the wonderful privilege of inviting and having Josh Burson to the show. He is an analyst and thought leader specializing in the global talent market and the challenges and trends affecting business workforces around the world. He founded Burson and Associates in 2001 to provide associated research and advisory services, a business he later sold to Deloitte. And then in 2019, he launched the Josh Burson Academy. Great name. (laughs) The world's first global development academy for HR and talent professionals. And he's currently the CEO of its sister research and advisory firm, the Josh Burson Company. But he has a book called Irresistible, The Seven Secrets of the World's Most Enduring Employee-Focused Organizations, which came out at the end of 2022, which introduces a new way to think about organizational design, employee engagement, and employee development. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you, Tiffany. It's great to be here. Yeah, and and I'm super thrilled to have this conversation, but we can't do that until we do Bullish and Bearish. Um, Bullish, you are for it. Bearish, you are against it. Are you ready? Yes, I guess so. All right. The first one, four-day work week. Bullish or bearish? I'm for it. Bullish. Bullish. All right. Another one, which I I hope we get a chance to talk about, but skill-based hiring. Bullish or bearish? I'm for it, but I think people are not exactly clear on what it is, but I'm definitely for it. Okay. And I want to, we'll dig into that. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, uh, AI as an employee. Bearish. That's the wrong way to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go with and that. I you have know. some personal experience with it, but okay. All right. Well, let's start there. Since sure. AI is the hot topic. Let's talk about where you think people are getting that wrong now. Well, okay. So we we talk to people. I've done a lot of research on AI. We're building an AR solution. We have customers using it. Of course, we go, you know, go back a year when ChatGPT came out and all that stuff in the New York Times. There was this scary perception that AI was going to ruin the planet. Elon Musk was all worried about it. All the PhDs who started this stuff were worried about it. And, you know, now we want to regulate it and slow it down and stop it. And, and I just don't see it that way. I'm in my late 60s. I've been around for a lot of technology cycles. This is basically math. It's calculus. It's very advanced calculus with very advanced computing, but there's no human sentiment in there. And what it does is it analyzes huge amounts of information, whether it be text or video or bits or numbers using this technology called neural networking in a very, very exciting way to bring together disparate information and classify things and answer questions algorithmically that a human being could do, but it just takes them much, much, much longer. And so it's very clear to me that AI is going to become a common, it already is, a common part of our life. It's already embedded into technologies we use, like our phones, you know, voice recognition, things like that. And we're going to stop talking about it within a year. We're just going to use it and we're going to just assume it's there. Now, the example that I have in HR, because I spend most of my time with HR people, is the hundreds and hundreds, and I'm sure, Tiffany, you saw this at Salesforce, all these decisions we make about people, who to hire, who to promote, how much to pay somebody, whether this person should be a leader or not, uh, maybe this person's in the wrong job. Those are all done by the seat of our pants. We, we sort of have some information and some assessments and science around that, but not a lot. 
So a lot of what goes on in HR is imperfect decision-making based on what we believe to be unbiased human beings. But of course, we're all biased because every decision we make is based on something we saw before us you know, in our own life. Well, the AI is going to make makes all of those things more intelligent. So there's in recruiting, in development, in career management, in pay, in onboarding, all these things that HR people worry about can be much, much more intelligent with AI. And then in the business that I'm in, which is research and, and benchmarking, and as a research analyst, we took 25 years of research, which was done you know, domain by domain in different topics of HR. We put it into a big, large language model we, we trained it on our research, and it's, it's, an, it's now an intelligent AI consultant that's as smart as all of our analysts put together, and we have customers using it. And it's not, and, and we dialed back, by the way, we dialed back OpenAI to be zero on the creativity scale, so it wouldn't make anything up. And it's really, really amazing what it can do. So we've been showing it to people, and, when, and even people who are afraid of AI look at it, and their jaw drops, and they say, Wow you know, how do I get this? So I don't know why so many people were originally afraid of it. My sort of general opinion on that is every technology that's ever been created can be used for nefarious purposes by somebody. And, um, you know, the government should regulate the outcomes of this, not the technology. The technology just tends to get developed by itself. But, um, but I know in business, and I know this, there are most every company we talk to says, we know AI is the future of our business. We're going to invest in it. We're trying to find the right products and services and applications. And it's not going to replace people because what usually happens is the AI assistant or whatever it is, the tool that makes you more productive, allows you to do less drudgery work and do higher level work. So most people make more money in the job they're in or they do higher level work. And then there's all these new jobs on building and managing and taking care of the AI. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> and I love that whole thought process, right? And I think where I'd love to hear from you is I think it's really important then for the communication from human resources to employees at organizations about the role of AI and how it plays, that it may not be this threatening, you're going to lose your job, right? Because I, like you, believe AI will not replace jobs. I mean, it may replace some, let's just call the outliers, but it will replace tasks within jobs, right? Which I would hope that some people would be like, look, I want to do things that bring me joy, not the stuff that's drudgery and repetitive and, you know, doesn't need a whole lot of brain function, right? I want more, you know, curiosity work and thinking work and collaborative work and human work and all that. So what do you think the role of HR is? Well, I guess, do you think HR today is doing a good job at communicating? No, no not this? yet. I mean, HR people are usually not, they're usually a little bit of intimidated by technology and a lot of them don't understand it, but they're getting it very, very fast. Most of them have been given a mandate by their CEOs to train the company on AI, figure out how to use it to make your HR services better and make your employee experience better and tell us what else we need to know about the human impact. Because what happens with AI is you end up reorganizing the company, you change jobs and job titles, and people say, well, maybe I should be making more money since this tool's doing some of the old stuff I used to do, and now I'm doing more strategic stuff. So there's a whole bunch of things for AI to do, for HR to do, rather. I call it organizational ingenuity, rethinking what the organization looks like now that there's much more automation. 
And by the way, the other reason AI is so important is the unemployment rate is at a 55-year low, and this and today it dropped again. We don't have enough workers, and most companies are now realizing I can't grow my company by hiring more workers. You you saw the stories about Salesforce used to work there. What happened with their cycle? Hiring more and more people isn't the answer to building a better company. It's building smarter and smarter processes and deploying people in better and better ways. And in the job market where the fertility rate is really low and it's hard to find people, AI is is really in some sense the solution to the workforce economy that we're going to be in for a while here. It's going to take a long time for new babies to be born and go to school and start to work. (laughs) So, So I think... HR is really grappling with it. I, I would say maybe a third of the HR departments I talked to are real. I just got off the phone with the CHO of Walmart this morning. They have a huge AI program um, and very sophisticated implementation of an employee experience platform they built on AI. But they're in a very unique position because they have this very sophisticated IT department. I would say most of them are trying to figure out what their role should be. They're getting to know the products in the market. They're talking to IT, but they, they get it. They understand that they've got to be a major part of this. And why do you think some companies get it and are more dynamic, you know, and innovative on things like this than others? What, what, do, what do you think? Well, the- we do, you know, that's that's kind of a little bit about my book, but that's kind of the, been the focus of my research for all these years is, you know, everybody's going through accelerating rates of change. You know, the car companies are getting to EVs. The healthcare companies are getting into digital services for healthcare delivery. The retailers are getting into banking. The banks are getting, you know, they're all, every company's got this disruptive thing that, oh my God, we don't know how to do this. We need to be better at something we don't know how to do yet. And the great companies have a culture and a management system and investments in HR that incent people to redevelop themselves, move to a new role, change jobs, change departments, and do new things. And so they're adaptable. And, uh, you know, as I say a lot is they believe and they run the company based on the power of the human spirit. This idea that every employee can do more if they're given the right resources. And I believe that's true. And I've seen that in my life. However, if the company has a mindset that says, well, you're not trained for this job, so sorry, we're going to let you go. Or you're underperforming and so you don't fit here. You know, there's a million reasons why somebody's underperforming, and it may not be them. But a lot of companies feel that way, and because they have sort of an older style of management, and that's the you know they grew up in the Jack Welch era or the Steve Ballmer era or whatever you know the the you know sort of the 1970s 80s hierarchical model. That that those companies don't thrive anymore, um, and also companies are flatter. More than half the workforce is under the age of 40 now, so. Those people, you know, they're not going to wait for their boss to retire to get promoted. They're just going to leave (laughs) or they're going to quietly quit. So we've got to give them more assignments. We need to move people around more regularly, give them coaches. I mean, this is what's going on in HR. HR people are really rethinking all of these old-fashioned HR practices to facilitate a more dynamic company. And it has to come from the top when the senior executives in the company really believe that the people in their organization can do anything if they're motivated. And by the way, Walmart operates like this. This is the reason Walmart's so successful. They're actually an incredibly good company at managing their people. 
you know, you start a new business unit, you shut down something else. People don't freak out. They're like, okay, great. I'll go jump into this new thing and learn what I need to know over there. And that, that's what makes companies dynamic. And so that'll go, that sort of makes me think about the skill-based hiring question I asked during Bullish and Bearish, right? This, you know, hiring for a skill, not necessarily a degree, looking right. for employees now, you know, in the trend where AI may be looking at resumes out of the gate, you know, and, and right. weeding people out, but the AI is looking for degrees and not skills. And so is that working against it, right? If to the point you just made, if people are internal and a division that they're working in is closed down, and then there's another division, and they just need to go learn new skills, but they may not have a degree in whatever that is. Right. It, it requires that new mindset, right? Yeah, and, and the, the AI is, is actually helping and not hurting that. So the, the problem that we've had for years in recruiting, whether it be internal or external, is we didn't have good signals on who is gonna make a good fit. So we went by the pedigree or the, or the background or has this person done this job before? I need a head of marketing. I need to find somebody else who's been a head of marketing before. Maybe I can find somebody in my industry who's been a head of marketing and they can just come in here and do it. Well, that doesn't really usually work because your culture is different. Your management team's different. Your tools are different. They might fit. They might not. And there's only so many people like that that you can find. So what's happened is with, a, with the help of AI, People have realized, well, just because you, you know, like the person who runs marketing for us never worked in HR research before. She's a spectacularly good marketing person for us because we figured out that she actually has all the skills we need and the right mindset for our company and the right fit. But that's new to people. And that's why this, all of this noise in the system about not recruiting based on college degrees, not recruiting based on GPAs, not recruiting based on the job title they had before. You know, during the pandemic, an interesting thing happened, Tiffany. There were all these people that changed jobs and quit and took new jobs and worked from home. 45% of the people that changed jobs during the pandemic changed industries, which shows how, you know, sort of retrainable people are in learning a new role if they have the core skills. So that's what skills-based hiring is about, is going beyond the degree and the pedigree and looking at what does this person appear to be good at and what do they like doing and what, what kinds of projects have they done in the past that demonstrate that they'll succeed in our company, regardless of what they're called. Maybe they don't have a college degree at all. You know, that's the other thing is there's a lot of uh, work going on to reach you know, into the part of the job market of people that didn't go to college or didn't finish their four-year degree who have great skills with people or great skills with data or IT or whatever it may be. So that's a massive thing that's changed a lot. And it goes for internal candidates too. In fact, internal candidates, it's harder. Internal candidates, there's all sorts of political bias. Oh, you know, that guy worked in sales. Well, those sales guys don't know what they're doing, so we'd never hire them, you know. <laughs> it Reminds me of one of the sort of seven secrets in your book on growth, not promotion, right? That sort of how do we create space for people to grow into right. more responsibility or different aspects or, you know, I heard a stat and you may know this stat and I don't know the source of this stat. It was someone who was on my podcast a number of months back who said, this is a stat from many years ago. And maybe Josh, if anybody might know it, you might know it. 
was something like when people get their first promotion, they're in like their late twenties, mm-hmm. but by the time they get their first training on how to be a manager, it's like in their middle thirties. And so there's this like seven year gap of you've been given the title of manager, but you haven't been trained on how to do that. And then, you know, you do it terribly for a while, which may impact, right. The people who work for you in, in not a good way. Um, and then by the time you get training, you're like, Oh my goodness, like I should have been doing these things so differently. Right. And so why do you think it is that when, so many leaders and HR, but executives say we care about our people, right? We want them to feel proud of what they do. We want them to have a career progression. We want to train them that, that it just continues to fall short. This is, this is basically what I do all day. You know, you have, to, you have to behave as a developmental leader, not just talk about it. When you look at a company that has a developmental mindset and a highly inclusive mindset, it starts at the top. Um, we don't have, we can't just have a bunch of senior guys or gals saying, hey, you guys down there in bottom HR people, take care of the managers. We're going to run the company. You take care of the managers. No, running the company is about taking care of the people. If a business group is underperforming, you don't just fire the boss and get a new boss. You look at the people and what's going on and you decide, do they have the right skills? Do they have the right support? Do they have the right pay? Do they have the right schedules? Whatever it may be. And you listen to them and they tell you what's broken. The the funny thing about employees, you know, to me versus customers is employees are better stakeholders than customers. Customers will not tell you what's wrong with your product. They'll just not renew it. Employees will tell you because they're living with your company. They've voted with their careers. So great companies and great leaders behave as, as listeners and developers and coaches of people. And they learn it over time. You know, you, you don't know how to do, I mean, you sort of learn it as a parent a little bit, most people do, but you, you learn it through working in organizations like this. I mean, great organizations talk about people stuff a lot and the business stuff tends to get done by highly empowered, highly trained people. Um, you know, because they're in the right environment, because they have the right skills, because they're getting the right support. Yeah. And in, this then would trigger me to ask you, what do you think is most misunderstood with the role of HR now? Because, uh, you know, in full transparency, as you know, Josh, my audience is not going to be full of senior HR. <laughs> now, most of the people listening to this don't like their HR people in their Correct. Company. Correct. <laughs> but... There are people who are listening who are managers, right? Who want to be better managers or want to be better stewards okay, of the let brand me give you a or little, company. A little peek into the mind of an HR person because I know so many of them. So there are definitely HR teams and HR people who are purely administrative, bureaucratic people. And what they're doing is they're doing stuff that has to get done. And maybe the company didn't automate it, doesn't have great technology, and they're just bogged down in paperwork. That's not good, but that's something that needs to be addressed. At the higher levels of maturity, great HR departments have a lot of that stuff automated. They build great technology. They buy great technology. They spend a lot of time thinking about employee experience, and they spend most of their incremental effort on strategic problem solving. Why is this group underperforming? Why are we having high turnover? Um, Why do we have errors? Why do we have customer service problems? And they dig in and they have this domain expertise of understanding the issues of recruitment and training 
and development and assessment and so forth. All this, there's a lot of sort of science to HR, and they're like consultants. And if you've ever had a good management consultant or a coach, you know, who's coached you in your job, a lot of people have, or a great boss, HR people are like that. And, and so what we try to do in our company is we try to help HR organizations move up that maturity model and get rid of that baggage. The problem is it's actually really hard to do HR. There's a ton of things to do and companies get bogged down with the administration and they don't think they don't have time to do the more strategic things. And so there's a you know tough job of the head of HR of trying to you know operate at a strategic level, but automate the day-to-day stuff too. And by the way, when there's a merger or an acquisition or a layoff or uh, you know a bad hire or you know, a harassment claim or something, then all of a sudden they have to stop and work on that. So it's actually a pretty complicated job. Um, I would say of the you know million HR people who follow me on LinkedIn, 99.9% of them want to make their employees' lives better at work. They don't always know how, <laughs> but that's really what they're there for. Yeah, and and, and as as you know, I, I did some research over the course of about two years, and one of the things that we heard without doubt was the greatest gap for an employee enjoying what they do and being satisfied and being engaged, kind of all the words, was actually seamless tech, was the greatest disconnect between what the employees thought was happening and what the C-suite thought was happening, right? C-suite's like, look, we've given them wellness or four-day work weeks, right? Mm -hmm. We've done all these things. We, you know, they can work from home. We've created this, we've deployed that. But, But tech was the place that they felt the most pain. And this is definitely an area where HR is like, look, I have zero influence on tech outside of HR specific tech. Like, you know, you're going on maternity leave right. or you need a credit card, right? Or you're, you know, filing a complaint or something like that kind of tech. But I'm talking about like what applications does an employee use to do their job? No, I agree with you. I, I have two comments on that. Number one is HR people do need to get involved in that and they need to push back on IT and they need to tell IT, hey, you, you got a bunch of stuff here that's getting in people's way. And the second thing on the, on the idea of your research, I'll tell you what I've learned. I would agree completely with you. What I've found is that there, there's this old-fashioned idea in HR that employee engagement creates employee productivity, that if we make people happy, they'll work harder. You know, and there used to be this study that Gallup did called Everybody Should Have a Best Friend at Work. Yep. And I thought that never really seemed true to me. And what we've actually found is the opposite is true. When you make people productive, they become happy. So make their job easier. And they'll enjoy it more because they'll get to serve and help the people that they're, you know, serving in their job and they'll be more creative and they'll get more things done and they can leave work early and maybe take a four day week because they're not bogged down with stuff. So productivity is a big deal, um, figuring out what is holding people up. So I agree with you completely. And, you know, we're in this huge wave of productivity with AI and Teams and Zoom and video and, you know, all these recording technologies. And I think HR and IT have to really, really, you know, work on that stuff so you don't end up with 50 different things, you know, to use and nobody can figure out how to use any of them. Couldn't agree more, Josh. I'm going to, I might have to just end on that because that was, <laughs> that was, a, that was a mic drop, but you know, look, you do so much great work, Josh. It's, I, I know we tried for a bit to get this together, but I'm so, I'm so thrilled you, you were able to find the time to do it. You know, how can people stay in touch with, 
with the work that you guys are doing sure. um, um, and, and, and really keep in touch with what, what you are thinking about. Well, joshperson.com is the main website where I write articles and I have podcasts and stuff in there. Um, and so, you know, just take a look at that. And I try to write and we try to produce information for business people, not just HR professionals. And for those of you that are kind of frustrated with your HR departments, they probably know who we are. Have them call us. We'll be happy to help them uh, make your work life better. And, uh, you know, I love to talk to people on the phone. So if anybody wants to just reach out to me and tell me about their horror stories, I'd be happy to hear it and see if I can help. Well, with that, again, thank you, everybody, for joining this episode of What's Next. Uh, I'm your host, Tiffany Bova. Please don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, uh, rate the show, and go pick up a copy of Irresistible by Josh Burson and follow him on LinkedIn and every place else he is. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us.